This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. This is uh, Stephen Henderson. And as always, thanks for joining us. We're talking today about the events of yesterday in Washington. I want to switch subjects now to talk about Georgia, where we did see the results come in from those Georgia Senate runoff races. And we saw Democrats win in both cases. Already, the talk is about turnout in those races and how different it looked from historical turnout uh, in Georgia. Uh, I want to welcome Cece Grant, who's an organizer on the ground in southwest Georgia, the largely rural area around Albany, to the conversation. Uh, Cece, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, Stephen. So great to talk to you. Yeah, no, it's really great to have you with us. I want to start with a clip of Raphael Warnock, who was one of the Democratic candidates uh, for those seats uh, last night. Uh, this was his speech yesterday. I come before you tonight as a proud American and as a son of Georgia. My roots are planted deeply in Georgia soil. A child who grew up in the Caton Homes housing projects of Savannah, Georgia. Number 11 out of 12 children. A proud graduate of Morehouse College and the pastor of Ebenezer Baptist Church, the spiritual home of Martin Luther King Jr. and Congressman John Lewis. A son of my late father, who was a pastor, a veteran, and a small businessman. And my mother, who as a teenager growing up in Waycross, Georgia, used to pick somebody else's cut. Really moving speech uh, that he gave yesterday about the historical impact of what happened. Uh, I want to talk to you about the organizing you were doing in southwest Georgia. There is a narrative in American politics that rural voters are white voters. But, of course, in the south, uh, many rural communities are African-American. And I I wanted to have you here with us on the show today because uh, we're friends on on social media, and I saw you posting pictures of where you were working, get out the vote and organizing in uh, Georgia. And it wasn't in Atlanta. It wasn't uh, in, in these other urban centers like Savannah. It was in other places. Talk about the power of that vote and how critical it was to the outcomes yesterday. Yeah, Stephen. So, um, you know, I'm a Detroit girl. Um, I born and raised in Detroit, graduated from Wayne State, and uh, it just moved south a couple of years ago. And it was um, surprising to me because, yes, I did not understand that in the South, um, rural voters um, are heavily, heavily African-American. Um, where I was, they call, you know, kind of southwest Georgia, um, going from uh Columbus to basically Macon, they call that the Black Belt. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because, you know, these are where, you know, millions of African Americans, you know, stayed, you know, even after the days of slavery. So they own their farms or, you know, they live in small towns. And these are the people that are traditionally overlooked um, when people want to do, you know, huge, glitzy statewide campaigns. You know, they want to stay in the cities. We talk about the suburbs, but we we really don't talk about um, rural black voters. And I think the Georgia Democratic Party um, and all of the groups down there just did a fantastic job 
uh, targeting these communities. Mm. Uh, when you are knocking doors in these communities, uh, obviously uh, it's really different than knocking doors in Atlanta yes. or Savannah. Yes. T- talk about the things that people tell you about their motivation to vote. And historically, of course, they, they don't turn out in, in large numbers. Uh, what was it about this election, this moment that, uh, that got them to, to think differently? Yeah. So, um, Stephen, I've been doing this for a while. I mean, I organized on uh, President Obama, Hillary Clinton, Gary Peters' campaign, Mm -hmm. and uh, every campaign, it's always a struggle to get, um, you know, African-American and other really uh, low-income voters of all races to come out and vote. Um, And so, um, you know, I was knocking on doors in trailer parks. And, you know, and literally the middle of nowhere. And uh, these were all, you know, largely African-Americans. Um, and I would knock on their doors and I was just blown away because every single person who I knocked on their doors had either already voted or was planning to vote. Wow. Every single one. I, I, I got emotional a couple of times because I have never seen that level of engagement. Hmm. Um, you know, people knew where their precinct was. They knew where the early voting location was. These were, this was a very um, highly educated um, electorate. And it literally just turned the narrative on top of its head. And, you know, it just, I don't know what the organizers did down there in Georgia, but they really did their jobs and educated and engaging African-American voters in Georgia. Mm. Um, so how are you feeling about the outcomes from yesterday? I, I, I find myself uh, moving back and forth between surprise and uh, elation, uh, but, but, but also just real curiosity about the potential for change. The idea that a state like Georgia could elect John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock in the year 2020, it, it, it's still something that I kind of have to pinch myself uh, to yeah. believe. But, but then I also am like, well, what, what, what's the potential in other states like that? Uh, yeah, um, and I will say, um, I'm not sure if it's politically correct, um, but I'm going to tell the truth. <laughs> I think most of us thought that Warnock would win, um, yes. you know, because once again, um, Georgia's electorate is, you know, 46% people of color, yes. right? Yes. Um, and we, uh, I, we believe that the high level of African-American engagement would power um, Warnock to a win. We were... Um, you know, we're 50-50 about um, whether Ossoff would win, mm-hmm. um, but the numbers came out where there was very, very little margin of vote difference between Warnock and Ossoff. Yes. So when voters came out, they just voted for them straight across the ticket. I mean, there was maybe 3,000 um, vote difference between the two in a, in a city, you know, in a state of 4 million voters. Um, I think Ossoff had um, a harder time because he was obviously campaigning against an incumbent, right? Yeah. The power of incumbency. Right. Um, but I, I, um, I think that Stacey Abrams yeah. needs to really just take this playbook to every state across the country. <laughs> right, right. 
Because she did something that a lot of states don't do. You know, we don't go into, you know, even in Michigan, we go to, you know, Detroit, Lansing, you know, Flint, Grand Rapids, and we give up on the other half of the state, mm, right? Yes. Um, but what we did, um, as, you know, in Georgia was even in these red, really, really red states, we micro-targeted where Democratic communities are. There are Democrats, uh, even in large rural states. Yeah. Um, in Lee County, um, which is a place that uh, I actually felt um, very um, intimidated about canvassing in, yeah. uh, because it, it's the kind of place where all the police live, right? right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, but, you know, I would go into a neighborhood and, you know, this neighborhood, even this deeply red county, was, you know, it was largely, you know, 90% African-American. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cece, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but we are out of time. It was really great to have you here to talk about this. And you're right. Take the playbook to other states. Make this happen uh, in other places. Thank you so much for joining us, though. Awesome. Great. Thank you, Stephen. It's going to do it for me. We'll be back tomorrow to look at homeschooling efforts among African-American families, plus a conversation about how the Biden administration plans to tackle climate change.